This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. While you've been clicking around the internet looking for last-minute holiday deals, Caroline O'Donovan from The Washington Post has been reporting about the people who make those deals possible, the people packing up your gifts and shipping them out. At Amazon, they call this time of year peak season, where you're getting more and more packages as people take advantage of holiday sales. So they don't call it the most magical time of the year. (laughs) No. Peak season means more work, more money, but also, some employees say, more risk. Over the last couple of years, Caroline's examined one report after another, each of them looking to quantify this risk. There was one claiming that 100 Amazon warehouse workers are injured each day. Another said the risk of getting injured at an Amazon warehouse was double the risk of getting injured at a Walmart facility. Then there was this Department of Labor investigation in Fort Wayne, Indiana. This report was about what happened to just one distribution center worker, a guy named Case Grusbeck. And he was assigned to a team that fixes problems. Case specialized in fixing those overhead conveyor belts that shuttle items from one end of the warehouse to another. And Case, my understanding is that Case was on, I think it's called the Jam Team or something like that. Um, he had training to fix Jam so that when the packages get stuck, you he was supposed to zoom over there and get up in the mechanized lift and fix the Jam in some way. Back in May, Case was working on one of these jams when something went wrong. Something went awry and the machinery collided with his head and uh, trapped it against the back of the lift that he was riding in. And he he died of uh, blunt head force trauma injuries. That's awful. Uh, I was not able to speak with his family, but um, in reporting and talking to people in the community and reading about them a little bit online, um, his his dad had actually died the year before, and he was his parents' only kid. So his mom, in the space of just over a year, uh, went from having a husband and adult son who had just graduated from high school and had his whole life ahead of him to being pretty much by herself. You could call what happened to Case an accident, but reading the government's citation, it's clear they saw what happened here as potentially preventable. Amazon contests that. In fact, Amazon contests all these reports about worker safety. But Caroline says Case's death is an extreme example of the kinds of challenges Amazon and its employees are facing all over the country. Even when their injuries are minor or chronic, workers say corporate wants them to push through their pain. And so far, accountability has been hard to come by. Did the government punish Amazon at all for what happened? Like, was there a fine or anything? 
In Indiana, the maximum for a serious violation is $7,000. $7,000? That is not, that's not a lot. Uh, it is definitely not a lot to most companies and certainly not to a company that made $9.9 billion in a single quarter this year. Today on the show, holding America's favorite megastore to account and why that's harder than it seems. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, or automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So how did workplace safety at Amazon warehouses first gain attention? There was a story out of Pennsylvania more than 10 years ago. It was about ambulances waiting outside Amazon warehouses on hot days. Um, People were like, if this is a workplace where it's so certain that people are going to faint or get hurt, that the ambulances wait outside, something is amiss and you know it shouldn't be allowed to continue. That for me, and I think for most people, was the first story that grabbed um, national attention about what it's like to work at Amazon. Yeah. I mean, this example seems crazy. Is this kind of thing what's still happening at Amazon warehouses now, or has the situation changed? It's definitely been a journey with Amazon over the years, right? I mean, with regard to temperature specifically, this is something that I've talked with Amazon about multiple times over the years. They will put in fans, they'll put in air conditioning, but you still have workers in, for example, Amazon Air Hubs in Southern California who were telling me as recently as this summer that they're you know, on the tarmac, it's reaching temperatures over 100 degrees, or they're in vans on the tarmac um, where the air conditioning is broken. Um, they have continued to try to make their workplace safer and better, right? They have to continue to attract thousands and thousands and thousands of people to work there every year. Uh, when Jeff Bezos left his job uh, as CEO of Amazon, one of the last things he did was create an initiative to become Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work. Huh. How's that working out? I mean, Amazon has documented and said that their injury rate has decreased since that peak where they were... Um, you know, so significantly higher than other warehouses doing similar work. But there's all kinds of people who do work for Amazon, like delivery drivers, who because they don't technically work for Amazon, they work for this network of third-party contractors. Amazon's not even really liable for the injuries that might happen to those people. So, you know, it's an it's an ongoing back and forth for sure. Yeah. Is there a particular type of injury that is more common now among a warehouse employee? One of the things people are talking about a lot right now, especially most acutely in Washington state this summer, is ergonomic injuries. It's certainly not a a new thing. It's not like something that just popped up. 
ergonomic injury, something that happens from repeated motion over and over doing the same thing, maybe something that your body is not meant to do or something your body can do but shouldn't necessarily be doing. Not to minimize it, but you're, it's, it's sort of like tennis elbow, I guess. It's like the idea is like you're doing something again and again and it's causing an injury that becomes chronic for you. That's right. The back, the shoulder, the elbow, when you're using your body in that way over and over again, doing the same thing, right? This gets all the way back to like Taylorism and the making of Ford cars and efficiency in workplaces, right? It's more efficient to have someone do the same thing over and over again than have one person to do all the steps of a process. But as a result, you're making your body do something that's unnatural, which can lead to an ergonomic injury. And if it's not treated correctly or speedily enough, um, you can end up with a musculoskeletal disorder. And that's the debate that's been happening between safety regulators and Amazon over the last year and a half, two years or so, is whether or not Amazon needs to structurally change how its warehouses function to prevent people from getting those types of injuries. And the thing about these kinds of injuries, with a workforce as large as Amazon's, they really start to add up. They are the second largest private employer in the United States, which means more people work for Amazon than anyone else in private industry except for Walmart, right? So (laughs) to a certain extent, it's a sheer numbers game. It's just like there's, there's an Amazon in almost every community. Almost everyone knows someone who works at an Amazon facility or has. Um, So I think that's definitely like why it's such a big deal. But when we get into the nitty gritty of reporting these injuries and how they're tracked and arguing back and forth about the the rates, right? And these claims that Amazon has a higher injury rate than other employers doing the same type of work. Um, you open up this whole can of worms about how those injuries are being reported. My understanding is that part of the reason there's so much concern around Amazon in particular is because of how workplace injuries are handled after they happen. Like, I'm hoping you can explain a little bit about what their internal system is. Like, they have their own medical providers in the warehouses, right? That's right. So when you work in an Amazon warehouse, there's something called Amcare. I've never personally seen one, but I always imagine it in my mind as like the school nurse's office when you're in school, you know, (laughs) something happens on the line, you tell your manager, you tell your teacher, I don't feel good. And they send you down to Amcare. Um, And they're supposed to send you down, you know, right away. If you say there's something wrong, I feel dizzy, I feel lightheaded. I pulled, I felt something snap in my, my wrist or my elbow. Um, they're supposed to send you down right away. But what people have said is that once they go to Amcare, they are encouraged to, you know, ice it, take an ibuprofen and try to get back to work. And some people have made allegations that the reason for that is not just to keep people at work or to decrease the, the medical costs to Amazon, but also to keep the injury count down, to downplay injuries or to treat them in a way that where they're not recorded as bad of injuries as they are. You've written, too, about how it can be difficult for inspectors who want to know what's going down in an Amazon facility to get inside and do the kind of work that they want to do. Can you tell me what happened in Washington state when inspectors wanted to go in and just sort of look at how the workers were moving, what that might mean for how Amazon should be regulated? Yeah. So there's federal health and safety regulators, but 22 states have their own health and safety programs, and Washington is one of them. This is like a local version of OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration? 
That's right. And obviously, in Washington is the state where Amazon is headquartered. So you kind of set the scene of, you know, a few miles, 30, 60 miles away from uh, downtown Seattle, where all of these tech workers, you know, are working on their computers, making the Amazon website run. You have these workers in warehouses who are getting injured. And in Washington state, those safety and health regulators um, said, we have come here so many times and told you over and over again that people are experiencing ergonomic injuries because of the way your warehouses function, but they cited Amazon for two, if not perhaps three at this point, willful violations. Hmm. Meaning you knew what you were doing here. Like we told you not to. We told you before. That's right. Because OSHA doesn't have the oomph really to be a punitive agency. But when they've told you to do it before and you don't do it, then they do start to have um, larger fines, still not fines that would really be meaningful to a company of Amazon's size. But Amazon says, just like any other business, we have the right to contest any safety citation that we receive. And they always contest their safety citations, leading to a hearing before the very enticingly named Bureau of Industrial Insurance Affairs in Washington State, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is not necessarily the makings of like a blockbuster uh, movie or anything. Um, But what did they say? There has not been a conclusion uh, to that hearing yet. But on the one hand, you have the safety regulators saying, we need to get in here. We need to do really detailed observing and measuring of how people are moving to get to the bottom of what's causing um, all of these ergonomic injuries. And Amazon is basically saying, you don't get us. We're, you know, we're we're high tech and this doesn't really, this doesn't apply to us and we don't want you here and we don't want to change what we're doing according to your rules. Amazon has their own system, their own way of doing things. And they would say that's why the standard and certain safety regulations doesn't necessarily apply to them. They use robots that move stacks of boxes, robots that Uh, take things off of shelves, robots that put things inside of boxes, robots that work in cages alone by themselves, and robots that work right next to people. The people do the motions that robots can't do um, that are a little bit more delicate and have to do with like how our hands and arms work and stuff. (laughs) Um, So Amazon would tell you that all of that is why um, safety regulations don't necessarily um, apply to their system in the same way. It seems like a real stalemate because (laughs) OSHA has fines it can levy, but those fines are quite small, especially when you compare them to Amazon's revenue. And then at the same time, if they want to come in and inspect and see what's going on, Amazon's fighting them tooth and nail there, too. It just feels like a little toothless to me. OSHA has this statistic where they like to say that they have so few inspectors and few resources that if they wanted to go into every workplace in the United States just to just once to see if everything's okay, it would take them 160 years. Amazon is a lot more powerful than that. So it's sort of a stalemate now, I guess, in that we're waiting for a decision, but even that decision can be appealed further. Um, and in the meanwhile, what's happening? right? Like it's Black Friday sales, shop, 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 work, 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 we're hiring more people. So I think the machine definitely marches on. And the question is, will we see in our lifetime an agency that has the ability to to take on a company like Amazon? We'll be right back.
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. In the latest season of Blind Spot from WNYC Studios and the History Channel, join host Kai Wright as he travels back to a pivotal moment in the history of this country. Decades before COVID 19, a virus tore through some of our most vulnerable communities while the wider world looked away. Throughout the season, you'll meet people who demanded that they and their illness be seen. Mothers, children, doctors, nurses, nuns, and sex workers, all leading to a woman who literally helped change the definition of AIDS. Blind Spot, The Plague in the Shadows. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I asked Caroline why OSHA, this federal agency tasked with ensuring worker safety, finds itself so outmatched here. The laughably small fines, the lack of staffing to meaningfully inspect warehouses. Um, it's not like some constitutional agency that's been around for a long time, right? It, it hasn't actually existed for that long. But it's existed long enough that when I was working on this story, I actually found old Washington Post stories like by my my predecessors, my my reporting ancestors that were not about Amazon, of course, but they were from like the mid 90s that get into the the politics of OSHA. Um, and there was there was a big fight in the 90s about ergonomic injuries and whether or not OSHA needed to have like a federal program it could enforce uh, about that type of injury. And, and ergonomic injuries are exactly what OSHA is accusing Amazon of having trouble with right now. Yes. Um, but it's also, you know, there's politics. So every time there's a new president, there's a whole new set of people put in charge of OSHA. And there's a lot of people on the business side of things who don't really want or believe that the government should have the ability to to go into workplaces and tell businesses how they should operate. Caroline says OSHA could have a long game here, a plan to hold Amazon more meaningfully accountable eventually, because they have done that before. Just a few months back, the agency entered into a settlement with the national chain store Dollar Tree. It was worth millions of dollars. But getting there took time. So there's two things that I said before that are relevant to this. One is that it would take OSHA 160 years to go into every workplace. And the other is that OSHA is not really meant to have punitive level fines unless an employer is doing something over and over again that they've been told to abate, to stop doing. So in the case of uh, Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, 
they focused in on issues. The big one was boxes stacked up in front of exit signs. Um, and they started finding them in, in all different locations all over the country over and over again for these unsafely blocked exits. And those fines eventually did build up to $15 million because when you are doing something that OSHA has told you not to do and you're doing it over and over again and you're not changing it, you can start to get those serious um, and willful and knowing and repeat violations like on a daily basis. So that can build up really fast. And in that case, OSHA sort of successfully pushed the Dollar Tree and Family Dollar stores into a position where they signed um, what is called a corporate-wide settlement. So that's not just saying, oh, I came into your office and I noticed that there was a leak from the sink and it made the floor slippery and that's not safe. So you have to you know, pay me $500 and abate that. This is saying that like the whole of, in this case, Dollar Tree and Family Dollar Store companies around the country is operating in the same unsafe way. And they reached a corporate-wide settlement where the company agreed to, to stop basically OSHA's campaign. So is this an approach that OSHA could be taking with Amazon now? Yeah, I mean, it's not like federal OSHA came out and said in a press release, like, we're coming for you, Jeff Bezos. But in conversations with people who have worked for OSHA in the past, it seems like that could be something that they're building towards with Amazon, specifically focusing um, on these ergonomic injuries, which, again, is harder to prove than boxes are stacked in front of a door. And this is sort of what came up in Washington is to prove that a business is willfully, repeatedly exposing workers to ergonomic injuries, you have to watch them at work. You have to watch a lot of people at work. You have to like go into many places and observe them. And these are huge workplaces. It's not a dollar store where there's one or two people behind a counter, right? This is like thousands of people in a building that's thousands of square feet and you're trying to monitor enough of them to prove that this is something that's happening over and over again with the company's knowledge and they're doing it anyway. So that sounds like a really big job and also frankly, like not a very fun job, (laughs) but like there is a world in which the repeated um, bad press and focus on that and the mounting fines could move the company towards making a corporate wide settlement with federal OSHA, but- You don't sound optimistic here. Well, I mean, just- just to think about the size, the scope and size of what I just described, right? Like that's something that would take a long time and we don't know what's going to happen in November of 2024. So there are other ways to hold Amazon responsible, Caroline says, but those aren't guaranteed either. In June, we reported that Bernie Sanders um, help committee was launching an investigation into the issues we were talking about earlier um, with how Amazon reports its injuries, whether it's pressuring employees not to report injuries. Um, Also within the last year, the attorney general for the Southern District of New York announced that they were also investigating injury reporting at Amazon and whether or not they were being honest about those records, which is interesting because their involvement signals that if if it were proven to be true that Amazon was knowingly not reporting its injury rate um, or doing things to kind of obfuscate safety issues um, at the company, that could be a, a serious like criminal issue because you're lying to the federal government about your record. So my sense would be at this point, not knowing what could come, that like it's more about signaling that Amazon should take this seriously. But in this particular situation it still feels to me like the corporation has more power. Yeah. I mean, something that stands out to me, just 
looking at your reporting, is that Amazon has been developing these really impressive systems to make sure its customers get their orders super fast. There are robots. (laughs) You know, there are um, conveyor belts over people's heads. Is there any evidence that they're putting that same wherewithal into making their workplace safer? I mean, they're not incentivized to have an unsafe workplace, right? Like when things are safer, they're also faster, right? So I don't think they're incentivized to have a dangerous workplace or it's like they don't care. But when you talk to people who work at Amazon, again and again, the sense that you get is that the number one thing is that the boxes keep moving, you know, the, the packages go out, the machine keeps humming. And I think as long as the whole thing is oriented around the customer to getting the people what they ordered as fast as possible, they're going to have a hard time achieving that goal of becoming the world's safest employer. Do you still order from Amazon? Yes, I still order from Amazon. I have a baby. It's very convenient. I tried, my and my husband would um, joke that, like I try not to order on the on like you know Prime Day or Black Friday because I like to think that I'm you know above a sale or above the temptation. Um, but he was like, yeah, but then you'll text me like, what if someone ordered this you know to our house um, on Prime Day or something? So, yeah. Carolyn O'Donovan, I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Caroline O'Donovan covers Amazon for The Washington Post. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support us is to join Slate Plus. It's our membership program. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to get all the details. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you back here next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.